What's up, hardcore humans? Welcome to another episode of season three of the Hardcore Humanism podcast. Today, we are talking with musician, singer, and songwriter Adam Darsky, otherwise known as Nurgle, founding member of the extreme heavy metal band Behemoth. We talk specifically about embracing our uniqueness and finding new ways to express our authentic selves. Behemoth is considered one of the best heavy metal bands of all time, and their 2014 album The Satanist is particularly identified as an extreme metal classic. Behemoth has a new album coming out in September of 2022, and will also be touring Europe in August, so check out their music and tour dates at behemoth.pl. Now, in the Hardcore Humanism Therapy and Coaching Program, our goal is to utilize principles of humanistic psychology to empower you to find your purpose, work hard to achieve that purpose, and build a supportive community so that you can lead a fulfilling and authentic life. And on the Hardcore Humanism podcast, we talk with artists such as Nurgle to hear their stories of their authentic life so that we can learn from their experience as we embark on our own purpose-driven journey. My conversation with Nurgle starts with a discussion of the ethos of black metal, which is a type of extreme metal music. As a genre, black metal has become perhaps most known for challenging more traditional religious norms, including embracing Satanism. But in talking with Nurgle, the challenging of religious norms is almost more of a byproduct of what he sees as the spirit of extreme metal music. And he talks about two key concepts that he sees as critical to his understanding of and approach to extreme metal. The first is that every human being is important and has value as an individual. Your unique thoughts, feelings, perspectives, and potentially artistic contributions are all important. And second is that an important part of an individual's life, particularly as an artist, is to keep pushing oneself and challenging oneself to develop new ways of looking at the world. Now, for me, these concepts really resonate as what I often take from heavy metal music. The loud, over-the-top, bombastic nature of heavy metal in which people are often encouraged to come up with new and exciting ways of expressing themselves musically, visually, conceptually, seems designed to help transport people to a new, perhaps bigger and more open place. And I think what Nurgle is talking about in extreme metal is exactly the feeling that we want people to embrace in the Hardcore Humanism Therapy and Coaching Program, that we as individuals matter. And when we are dynamic and growing, this can be a wonderful feeling where we are able to dream big and think of our lives beyond where we are now. That can be exhilarating and motivating, creating an emotional reinforcement system to propel us to an actualized life. One thing that's important to note is that Nurgle is a professional musician, so he is one of the very few lucky people out there who's actually paid for his individual creative ideas. But let's face it, it's not easy to be an authentic and unique individual. There are a lot of forces at work pressuring us directly or indirectly to conform. Even in the music industry that in theory nurtures new and creative artistic ideas, there is pressure from labels, fans, even bandmates for artists to stick to formulas and concepts that have been artistically or financially successful. And so it is really impressive how Nurgle keeps trying to push the envelope and see the world and his art from new and different perspectives. For most of us, there will be intense pressures to hide away our sense of individuality and conform to the norms, traditions, and structures presented to us. And sometimes we do feel like we have to conform, such as by making compromises at work to earn money or in relationships so that we can stay connected to people. But even if we cannot make money by embracing our individuality or creativity, or we feel we need to conform in some way, it is crucial that we still nurture and develop our unique ideas and perspectives. We can find some part of our lives, whether it's the music we love, 
The art we make as a passion, athletic challenges, or even just trying new things we enjoy, such as travel, new restaurants. That helps us to connect with and embrace who we are as individuals and allows us to keep striving and growing. So let's listen to what Adam, Nurgle of Behemoth, has to say. Hey, welcome to Hardcore Humanism. Thank you so much for having me. You'll be on my video then. It's not just you that is benefiting from it. My social media will also see you. So please introduce yourself. Hi, this is Mike Friedman from Hardcore Humanism. And this is Nurgle. And that's how we're spending our um, Corpus Christi, a very uh, Catholic way, talking about Satan and other uh, friendly creatures. Bye. <laughs> All right, so let's just get right into it. And let's start talking about the history and the ethos behind extreme metal, particularly maybe the genre of black metal, if that feels like it would work for you and kind of yeah. how you came about it. Yeah. I mean, I came across black metal probably in the late eighties. I was 10 years old or around that, you know, depends, you know, how you define black metal. If black metal started with Venom calling their album black metal and uh, other like classic bands like Hellhammer and Bathory just picking up from venom and just taking it further and heavier and crazier and even more sinister and serious that's probably the first wave and uh, i kind of i was hooked up on this one like late 80s i was born in 77 so i was what 10 12 when i was like big venom fan and bathory and uh, back then you know it wasn't really about I mean, these days people like pay more attention to like what it sounds like, you know, back in the days, Venom sounded like a mixture of punk rock elements, you know, just mix up with Motherhead and just pour with some satanic sauce on the top of it, you know, and, and, and they called it black metal and they pretty much defined the genre, but hardly any band sounds like that these days, you know, that calls themselves black metal or let's say a midnight. I don't necessarily think that black metal should sound like Dark Throne on their second and third records, which are absolutely, this is my Bible of, of, of metal and I love it. But I've always claimed that because there's always been a lot of fuss and a lot of confusion about what Behemoth was doing, which I, I'm like, why bother? Just you like the music, you dig the music, you go for it why the need to put a sticker on, on my forehead it's big enough i know that's my forehead it's big but yours too do we really need to do that i don't know it just i don't need that so from like even 90s i remember i was doing that back then and i still do that to this day like when people ask me all oh, black metal or your music is more black metal more death metal or more this more that i'm like you name it. I don't, I don't give a fuck anymore. And it's been a mixture, a blend of different like elements from different eras, from different decades. I'm a different person and I'm transforming, I'm transmitting, you know, I'm shaping up as individual, you know, so I, and so is my music. And my music is always a mirror of where I am in my life. So uh, to me, Merciful Faith, that is happily, because I'm a big fan, you know, they're coming back now. It's a big return now across summer festivals. And this is to me like one of the black metal classics. I mean, from a Dark Throne 
sound perspective or like i don't know early emperor or uh, i don't know early behemoth albums it's nothing like that but to me they started black metal one of the trigger points okay to some point extreme metal well extreme metal it must be metal you know but like extremity is not always only metal to me so there's a lot of like vibrations that uh, are very dark in other genres that uh, also influenced me, you know, like Nick Cave or Diamanda Galas or Chelsea Wolfe and other stuff like ambient music and Dead Can Dance and, and Fields of the Nephilim and even Sisters of Mercy, you know, it's, it's goth, you know, but it's dark. And I can really derive from those subgenres of rock music. It's all based on rock. It's all based on blues. Yeah, there's also NS black metal, which I think it's like the, the biggest paradox alive. How can you be a Nazi and worshipping rock music, you know, that was invented by black men? <clears throat> it doesn't work. So you're either a complete idiot or you just, there's like a big misunderstanding and misconception of what black metal is for you guys. If you consider yourself NS black metal, I think this is, this is a, an utter bullshit and, and, and fucking and, and bollocks. So fuck that. So yeah, it has different angles. It has different optics. We have different optics on different angles. So it's like, to me, the black metal world can be like really vast. So because it turns into being a monologue, I don't know if you have any questions. I want to go into another chapter. So I was grown on this genre in 90s basically you know when i discovered like all the norwegian scene and even within norwegian scene or uh, scandinavian because the section was very important to me and emperor and immortal and enslaved not necessarily black metal but they were part of that movement and then swiss band samuel misery necroschisma and then greek scene rotting christ Thou lord necromantia and then Canadian, and then Finnish. So it's like, and each of those bands, like even within relatively small scene, but big, you know, like small because there were not many people there, few musicians making like probably the strongest black metal scene of the second wave from Norway. Every band had their own identity and every band or almost every band that would stick out and make some kind of success and career was special so you name the band and like Gehenna, satiricon fucking treldon lesser known acts like treldon like not many people know like today is god's verit you know but that's how it started and fucking immortal i mentioned that and and uh, dimu borgir and like every band was like all over the place but none of them would sound like each other to me that's phenomenal it's like wow so that's what I'm missing, and that was my point. That's why I cherish, that's why I embrace those times so much, because these days I miss that. So whenever I go on Spotify, I stop buying like today's black metal because to me it turns into blur. Sometimes, you know, when I'm inspired and I go on Spotify and I click and then it shows up the suggestions, so you go there. And I don't know, for some reason, I see album covers. They all look the same. They all want to be so artsy and fucking and 
all these medieval drawings or whatever. It's all the same. Names that I can never remember. Maybe because I'm old. Maybe that's all because I'm 45 and I'm probably close to decline soon. But still, I'm still quite alert, okay? And I'm like, where's hooks? Ah, quality is one thing. You know, most of that stuff is very quality, honestly, you know? But it's blur. So there's bands that stick out. There's bands that are like, not anymore newcomers, you know, but let's say last 15, 10, 15 years, it's new to me. So I don't know, bands like Bullizer, it's not necessarily black metal, but it's dark metal. And it's within the same group of bands. They stick out. They make something remarkable and something memorable and something that is unique. You look at them, the way they sound, the way they behave, the way they communicate. It's like, this is something special, something unique. Deliberately, I'm not using the term original. One of other bands that I think that really made a very strong statement in this genre is uh, Death Spell Omega. So this is the band that is unmatched. They created their own subject. They're like Slayer, like within thrash metal, okay? So they created something that is unmatched, that is super weird, bizarre, very disturbing, very sinister, amazing. And there's a lot of quality. There's great craftsmanship. There's a lot of talent. There's beautiful vision. And there's a few more bands like that. But from like newcomers, it's like... They come with one record and then there's, you know, there's hype about one record. And then for some reason, you never hear about those bands anymore. They kind of disappear. They, they water down. So I'm having a serious problem. I would really love to get into that more, you know, but it's just, I find hardly anything inspiring there. You know, like, there's like part of the black metal scene is like the subgenre of that genre is war metal so let's say it started with blasphemy and sarcophago let's say and then there's like whole fucking bunch of bands that follow that path you know and there's like nothing stays here but when you put fallen angel of doom or blood upon the altar uh, like by, by blasphemy you know every song by heart all the hooks chorus verse chorus verse rock structures rock and roll structures they took it to the maximum of extremity. It's very radical. So I don't know. I'm confused about what's happening today. So I really hope that Be what Behemoth does, Behemoth carries along the torch of stuff that is classic, I hope, and we connect those eras. So we started in 90s, and there's definitely a lot of 90s spirit in what we do but we upgrade and we update what we do because I want to sound fresh. I want to sound relevant. I don't want to sound retro because I'm not interested in retro. I've always like disrespected, but I immensely disregarded like that retro, like let's say there was like a trash, retro trash boom, like boom, everyone just sounded, wanted to sound like creator and destruction. Like, seriously, eh, doesn't work. It's just like a small tendency, small like trends here and there. And they just pop up like fucking mushroom after rain. And then they die like almost as soon as they, they raise. So, yeah, 
yeah, that's that's my overall take on what I see black metal is to me. But then again, I don't want to impose any definitions or like you see, it's 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 pretty wide, right? It's very versatile, you know, and I I like it that way. I like that it's like oh, it's and of course, you know, we get it from some anonymous comments. Oh, you're not black metal, or you're this, you're that. Well, what the fuck you know about me? What the fuck do you know about where I come from? What it's in my head? How I feel about my own music? You know nothing, Jon Snow. This idea of retro and sort of not liking it, because you know, even going back to what you were describing with the blues, it's like, what's the power of the blues? The power of the blues is the ability to take a painful state that can feel stagnant and unheard and hopeless and somehow by expressing that you've now put it into motion now it's in play it can connect with people it could say something it can shake people up and that's threatening to people that's very threatening to people and it's almost like what you're describing with retro is it's sort of saying well i'm going to see this as something that's not evolving that's not kind of organic I'm just going to label it as something that's just, again, retreading the past. And that, it's certainly not the spirit of metal as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't really agree because retro is also metal. There's bands that are, like, on the other hand, you know, there are bands like Manowar that I worship and I love them, you know, but I, they are the definition of stagnation or running wild, another definition of stagnation, another band that I adore. And I've never seen them live. And I'm like, ah, I want to see them live before they die. And more. So I don't know. And ACDC, how can you fucking disregard ACDC? You got to love them or you miss out. Okay. So ACDC is an amazing example of a band that, uh, well, they evolve in some ways, you know, but basically they repeat the same formula over and over again. So that's, that's an interesting concept, though, because there is something you brought up the concept of relevant. I hear what you're saying, because calling something retro doesn't mean it's irrelevant. It certainly doesn't mean it's bad. But I think the key is, is that there's a lot of different and, and maybe this is part of a theme, which is that there's a lot of ways of being relevant. There's a lot of ways of being authentic, a lot of ways of being organic. I think that being able to do a similar formula and just sort of keep on doing it and keep it kind of different songs in it. Like I, I agree with you, like ACDC, there's a very similar vibe from Bon Scott to Brian Johnson, you know, whatever is happening. But yet there, there is a there is a freshness about it as it was happening, but then there is also something I guess that you could revisit about it that's powerful. I guess I don't know. It feels like you're feeling like you guys don't want to do that. No. No, I mean, that's how I, that's exactly how I see that. I mean, we stick to our canon, okay? We steer to our standard of music. There are behemoth benchmarks on every record. On this record, the same story. So there's songs, there's beats, there's certain hooks and tricks, so to say, that I use, you know, that make behemoth sound like behemoth. And I never want to lose that. Because that's a foundation of what we do. But then around that, there's still, I want to still keep a room for improvisation. 
and doing things that we haven't really done or we've done differently. So just experiments with tempo changes, you know, just not fucking not being afraid of just going into punky directions or more alternative or gothy or whatever, you name it. Like a song on a new record called Versus Christus. It's just fucking, you know, epic, big, like piece of music that just starts off like basically like a fucking, I don't know, like a gothic uh, anthem, you know, and it's it just turns into this like wild sonic tornado in the end. Yeah, that's those spots, you know, that I, that I want to keep it fresh and exciting, you know, when you combine something that you know and you confront that with something that is unknown or new to you and you just, boom, stick one and another. And that builds a dynamic that I like in music myself. Yeah, there's a, a line from, tell me if I have this right, the sorrow is mine, mine alone. That's yeah. from the new... Can we dig into that a little bit? Because I feel as though that concept to me is a, is a very powerful statement. It was kind of, it, it reminded me a little bit of Patti Smith on Gloria, like kind of Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Um. <laughs> it, it, right. It's sort of like, there is something about claiming my own experience that is so powerful for people. And even these things that you're talking about. You know, some saying, oh, you're not blackmail. You're not this. You're not that. How come you're doing it? It's like, this is mine. It's not yours. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? The, yeah. In the end of the day, it's mine. And yeah, it's about pain. And pain is mine alone. Well, basically the story, Herculean exile is a story of, I don't know, it's just a story of one's life and uh, all the labor endeavors that you carry along, you know, and and all the heaviness of human existence that you keep on your back, you know, it can be anything. We took these Greek references, you know, but it could be, we have this saying in Poland, I don't know if it exists outside of this country, but everyone carries his own cross. I don't know if you have that in US or England or wherever you're from, US probably. Of course, it's metaphors, right? But I really like that idea, you know, like, that song, Herculean Exile, is, it's a storytelling. For most part, it's like, it's very monotonous, and it just builds up, and we're telling this story of, I don't know, of, of this subject that just telling about his existential reflections, so to say, or issues or whatever, you know. But then again, it's not that simple as I'm picturing it here now, you know what I mean? Because I would need lyrics here and then do like a full analysis. Then again, I don't even know if I can do it right because it's so fluent. And I can just give you a hint. I can just throw a, an idea, but please play with it yourself. Listen to the song and just build up your own world around it. Because maybe for you, it's going to mean something completely different. I don't want to do that. Plus... Mostly I just write stuff and I don't, I write and then in the end I, I'm kind of thinking, oh, I, this song is probably about this and that, if you can just summarize it. But then, you know, I really want to keep it open, you know, like Neo Spartacus, you know, of course it's about the rebellion within you and me and every human being. I really like the fact that, of course, you know, again, there's a lot of, Greek and Roman references in the lyrics and 
I use all those metaphors, but I use it just to make Tricentia Poetica, I just use it to make it sound beautiful, rich, powerful. But the bottom line is that Spartacus can be like this rebel, like Spartacus as an archetype of rebellion that managed to fucking break down the big Roman army. That's quite incredible, you know, but I'm not telling the story of that guy and this historical story because that's a historical figure. I'm just bringing that spark, that idea that I want to put into song and just sell it and for people to think them over, you know, hey, that rebellion, that uh, going against the current of mediocrity, Let's refer that to what's happening around us, to all this populism around, because that's what it is. I was talking to someone and like, okay, so, so you rebel, like Spartacus about what? You know, I'm like, you know what? Women's rights. Hardly anyone in the metal scene talks about women's rights. I know it's a chauvinistic genre. And even talented and beautiful women that are very successful they get a lot of shit from men or not being treated equal which is absolutely wrong because some of those women like for example Elisa from our enemy that we've just toured with she's got bigger balls than than most of metalheads that i know and i've met and, and she's probably even stronger and braver than i am being a man but it's just a fucking what you call it, that sex can determine stuff, you know, but not necessarily. Now, I, I want to see both equals. What I'm going to is like women's rights. What just happened in the US a few weeks ago and Poland and abortion laws and stuff. Let's just refer that Spartacus topic to this. If you are open-minded and if you're about equality, you don't need to be a socialist to think that way, but women deserve their rights, same as men. And it still feels like, you know, there's massive imbalance in between. Be a Spartacus about women's rights, you know, because we need women. We love women. I love women. And I appreciate them. I appreciate my mom and everyone's mom. And I appreciate my lovers and, and my fan females. Yeah, we should really speak up, you know, and talk about it and be vocal about it because that's very important. So see how from a black metal song, we came into something that is, that is relevant and that is important today. And it's going to be important until we change it and we must change it at some point. So, yeah. Yeah, and it goes back to that central theme. We start with the concept of sorrow is mine and mine alone and don't define me. And this idea of as soon as people feel themselves trying to define someone, it already is kind of like you said, it's off course because, and you're saying that with the songs, it's like, listen, I'm expressing the song for me. This is a definition for me, but that definition may be different for you. And so as soon as you feel like I'm telling you what the song is about, we're, we're off track. I want the song to be yours the same way that it's mine and i think that that translates a lot into concepts of sexism concepts of racism is that as soon as you're making sweeping generalizations about a group of people we're already off on the wrong track when you're not able to kind of identify well this experience is yours you're an individual we're off and i think that in spirit 
metal should be about that. And I think it is in many cases of kind of lifting people up. Absolutely. I think it's about, that really covers up with a lot of my ideas on Satanism as well. But that's why, to me, heavy metal as a genre and its rebelliousness, its fuck you attitude, its anti-establishment attitude, it really goes along with a lot of moods and ideas around that. So it's triggering, it's inspiring, it's uplifting, it's empowering. Well, it can be. To me, it is. Okay. And I'd say, in like, the big chunk of heavy metal is about that. And I love it for that fact. I think that, that heavy metal really shaped up my individuality in probably like in a bigger part, it's heavy metal. You know, my life is heavy metal. And I was born this way. And I was born to this genre and not to just enjoy it and like it, but also. It's very coherent with what I am, with who I am, with who I'm becoming, okay? Because I'm not done yet. So it's cool. You know what? Heavy metal has a lot of naiveness in it, but I still appreciate it, the naiveness as well. I don't mind that. I mean, I know it's like, for example, there is this Man of War song called uh, Power. Every time I, I don't know, I jog or I do workout and like, I, oh shit, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my stamina at some point. I'm like, I need some, like a serious kick, like a booster. And I put that song on and I know the lyrics by heart. And I'm like, holy shit, that's so empowering. And then literally it's wings of that song just lift me up and I'm, boom, I can do it. Whoever is watching this and listening to this, you know, go now and put Man of War power on and listen to the lyrics, listen to the drive of that song. It's, one, it's such a banger. I love it, okay? Of course, it's cliche as fuck. So what? You know what I mean? I mean, like, you don't need to be literal about that. It's art. It's heavy metal. It's rock music. It's metaphors. You know, in the lyrics, it's like, I'm going to piss upon... It's about enemies. I'm going to piss upon your grace. Obviously, you'll never see me going to the cemetery and doing that. But metaphorically, that's it, okay? And I mean it, and I feel that towards my enemies. I don't need to get engaged into like any action like that. So don't forget it's a lot of metaphors. Don't forget that you should really keep distance to what you're reading I don't know, Beharit grave desecration doesn't mean that you need to do that. Don't do it. Because out of respect to a nice monument, somebody's life and death, don't do this. Do enjoy the fuck out of that song because it's amazing. <laughs> well, no, and I think that's such an important thing to say because there is a, a history of some people in metal taking things to a more a violent degree in their quote-unquote real life. But I think that the majority of metal artists and metal fans, it's an opportunity, and I think this is what can be so scary for some people, is that the ability to say, I see everything that's out there, and I have the will, the desire, the strength to self-define, to carve out my own sense of who I am, and also that I can dream bigger than maybe the world had intended me to dream. And I think that that's where a lot of what people see as the theatrics or the, the bombastic nature of it, you know, in some ways it's like, okay, for some people it's kind of campy, but just this idea that you can be more than 
maybe other people thought you could be, maybe even you thought you could be. And here's a path I think is such a central part of metal, but it all starts with the, it's mine. It's not yours. It's mine. That to me is the core of the rebellion. It's not necessarily saying, I don't want to, I want to overthrow this or I want to change this. It's saying, nope, me. A lot can go from there as far as I'm concerned. I like your, you have this quite in-depth approach to that. And I like that. I think it's cool. I never thought about it that way. So yeah, it's cool. No, I appreciate that. It gets to a lot of, one of the reasons why metal drew me in so much, and I didn't realize it. It depends on what you consider metal and what you consider rock. But for me, I remember even as just like a young kid, for me, it started with really like Led Zeppelin and it was Black Sabbath, Scorpions, which is more kind of rock-based metal, but still blues-based. And I just, I didn't know it at the time, but it was sort of like, there's this sort of creature in me that was only really being expressed there. And I didn't know it. You know what I mean? I just knew that there was something happening. And then as time goes on, you sort of realize like, oh, this is like, there's kind of like a beast in you. And it's not, and I think that people get trained that that's bad in some ways. To me, it wound up being something very important to me because that that beast was part of what helped me, you know, a certain like kind of energy, certain power, but also a certain self-definition. Like it helped me understand how I viewed the world and that, that sometimes I thought that things that were presented to me were not necessarily what I agreed with. Who knows? It's hard to know because I, I grew up in that world, but I feel like that was an important part of the beginning of being able to question things, you know, to know that I can be distinct from the world around me. And that, that's, I, I think that's a very powerful feeling for people that a lot of them usually get it first through their music, you know, whether it's whatever yeah. genre, you know, blues, punk, hip hop, metal, like what a lot of, a lot of underground genres, I think can really be the first place where people get to think differently from the people around them. It can encourage you to, to be more adventurous with your life and with life's philosophy. And that's exactly what happened in my life. It didn't start with me questioning fucking Bible laws or like uh, Decalogue out of the blue. No, it was heavy metal that gave me the reason to do that. It, gave me, it was a platform for me to, to start questioning conventional ethics or morality, you know, that I thought the kind of sense that there's something wrong there, you know, it's limiting me and my potential. And I wanted to get rid of it. And I just go, wanted to break through. So absolutely, heavy metal can be a great platform, great vehicle for people to, to evolve. It may sound like pretentious maybe, but, but you can. Even like I've just mentioned Man of War, so maybe someone's watching this now and he's laughing his ass off. Like, what the fuck Nergal is talking about, you know, Man of War and evolution? Well, you can, you know, if you, if you know how to um, jingle the meanings and if you know how to read the signs, don't be literal. It's all about just, it's this fantasy of this world that just makes you like, holy shit. That's heavy metal, you know, but like there's other genres that, that, that can do that as well. I don't, I think the heavy metal is one of the best genres to do that because first of all, it, I can't think of any other style of music that is touching pretty much any 
subject, like when it comes to heavy metal, you have thousands or I don't know, billions of bands. Each of them touches subjects and topics that are basically different planets. A lot of that is just very repetitive. I'm talking the universe of heavy metal is just, it's, it's unexplored. It's unlimited, really, you know, and we still, on daily basis, we just, we're finding that out, you know, like, there's still bands that just come and like, holy shit, that's, that's fresh, that's new. Or like, I don't know, Oranzi Pazuzu from Finland, you know, it's fucking quite, quite a spacious, fucking alien-driven uh, extreme metal, you know. I don't know what's that, but it's exciting, you know what I mean? And I don't think I have ever heard anything similar to that. So there's still something fresh and something new. You mentioned that before there was a time where you kind of felt like you were being limited in your life and metal kind of helped you break through that. Can we go back to that time and just talk about where you were and what the issue was? I remember I was 14 and 15 and I was getting into extreme metal. That was my turning point. And I realized it was around time when I started Behemoth. I was 15, so it must have started uh, shortly before that. I was raised as a Catholic, so for half of my teen years, I consider claim myself as a Catholic, okay? But then I just started sensing some, uh, there's a lot of hypocrisy going on there, and uh, it wouldn't align with my needs, and it wouldn't align with my ambitions and aspirations and goals. And I was only 15. When I look at 15-year-old kids these days, I'm like, I was at their age fucking getting existential already. And just, I was at the door, like on the verge of just making this big salto and like the existential salto and just basically started shaping up my own, myself on my own terms. And I look at 15-year-old kids around and they are like in their iPods playing games and they're just jerking off and, and just being stupid. Now, of course, I was stupid at the age of 15 of, as well, but I'd be staring at the stars at my laptop because I didn't know what laptop is. There were no laptops back then, okay? So I was stupid. I was naive, but I looked at the stars, not in the fucking gutter. I was looking at the stars and like, holy shit, those are bigger than Jesus. I'd rather like take a starship and fucking go there. And that starship was called heavy metal or black metal particularly. Okay. So I inverted cross on my neck. I had like troubles with my parents at first. We went through, like, it was very emotional. It was a lot of like very emotional moments. They would question me like a proper fucking interrogation, you know, like, uh, why are you doing this? This is immoral. This is wrong, blah, blah, blah. And I had to, I had to explain them that that's how I feel. That I remember I was quoting Johann Edlund from Tiamat and one of his interviews, and he was saying, well, this inverted cross gives me power, gives me strength to fight with the obstacles and like with difficulties I face on an everyday basis, like something trivial, really. But it was really enlightening to me back then. And of course, I took it further, you know, I took it on a philosophical level later. And see, um, it's 30 years later now, and I'm not denying any of that. Even though it was, I was young, I was naive, I was silly, I was goofy, I'm still very goofy. 
I'm definitely way more mature, you know, but I'm kind of using the same tools. I just use them like wisely, I hope, okay? And uh, those tools that socially are not really approved, to me, they were like essential to, to become what I, what I become and to build my career, to build my uh, spinal cord, to create what I am, who I am today. So I'm like, well, you may not like my heroes, fallen heroes or fallen angels or fucking all these devils and, and all those guys that are probably like the incarnation of the worst evil known to men. But to me, a lot of those archetypes, a lot of those role models, they were the spark to do something super creative, to be very productive. And to get out of my ghetto, get out of the block of flat that I lived in, just break through all those conventional stuff that like teenagers like myself would do around, you know, like drinking beer and just getting laid and just getting some fucking lame job and breed kids and then get divorced. Like all those scenarios are quite similar, you know, I, like I, I chose my own path. So I dare to say that it's good to go against the current. So I dare to say, I dare everyone and I challenge everyone to and encourage everyone to do that. I mean, I'm not saying, hey, follow my footsteps. Don't do that. That's mine. And uh, when people say, oh, you're my role model, I'm like, if I can be a spark, if I can be an inspiration, that's cool. But don't follow other people's footsteps because we're all different. You are different. I'm different. And 8 billion people living out there, you're, you're different. You have different upbringing. You have different, I don't know, culture you, you were brought in. Where is deep. Everything is different. A different country, different color, different fucking regimes, or I don't know, whatever, you name it. All these different systems, you know, all that determines who you are. And you are individual. You are special. You are unique. So, yeah, I can hand you my tools. And I'll encourage you, please use them wisely. Be wise. You're definitely going to make a lot of fuck-ups and mistakes. I have my fingers crossed that in the end of the day, you'll be, oh, thanks, Nigel. That's how I call myself. Thanks, Nergo, for doing that because you know, eventually I built something that I wanted to build out of the tools that you handed to me. So, yeah, that's a long story, the shortest I could wrap it up. I mean, look, that to me sounds like the perfect place to end. Did we did we miss anything? Because that's the message, as far as I'm concerned. I like that. You know what? Yeah. I must say that I don't know if, if this is pandemic that did that to people. I've done a handful of interviews for the new record, and but it's fucking it's life that we're talking about with people, you know. And I know that things are changing, and the way we consume music these days, you know, and how we are overwhelmed with fucking with the with this whole offer out there on Spotify, who can process that? So maybe in the end of the day, I hope people will dig the new record and they will find their way to the record. But maybe finding their way to that record by listening or watching this podcast and just, uh, maybe there's like something deep in Behemoth's music, something I can go deep and take to myself. Maybe one of those tools that we've been talking here about is in that music. 
And of course there is. I can assure you there is. I'm not going to make your lives any easier and tell you how to find them. I became an artist and I make my music, make my art to make your life more difficult. That is the point. Life ain't easy, fucking. Make some effort. And then when you do, you probably get way more satisfaction than just doing it like easy and fast. Everything is easy and fast today. So just make some other fucking effort. That's it. That's also another good motto for me. Uh, dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. Listen, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. It's great to talk to you. I think this is the first time uh, we've ever spoken. I already learned a lot, so I know people are going to learn a lot from listening. I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy it was a really meaningful hour, that 15 minutes that we just spent together. And thanks for making my Corpus Christi. It's one of the biggest uh, Catholic Christian um, eaves, right? But uh, of course, I love to run with that. And it made some sense today already. Best of luck with the new album. I hope we get a chance to talk again. Absolutely. Be safe. Thank you so much. So there you have it. Adam Darsky, Nurgle of Behemoth, talking about embracing our individuality and to never stop striving, learning, and growing to discover who we are and what is our best, most authentic, and purpose-driven life. Something he said at the end that's so important is that it's our differences that make us special. The only truly unique thing that we have to offer the world is us. Our unique experience, our thoughts, feelings, opinions, and expressions are valuable and meaningful to the world. There will always be pressures to somehow criticize, judge, devalue, or otherwise limit our individuality. And figuring out how to negotiate being an individual in society is challenging on many levels. But it is important that we take this lesson from Nurgle and start by valuing ourselves embracing our uniqueness, and seeking to always grow, develop, and express ourselves as part of our authentic, purpose-driven journey. I want to thank my wife and Hardcore Humanism co-founder, Island Booman, for editing and producing this podcast, and my brothers in Odd Zero for letting us use Odd Zero music. If you like what you hear on the podcast, please write a review and share our podcast. And if you'd like to take the next step and make change in your life, check out the Hardcore Humanism Therapy and Coaching Program at HardcoreHumanism.com. Just as a heads up, this season we'll be sharing our podcast monthly. So get at it, hardcore humans. See you next time. Hold up. 